into cybersecurity, there's a ton of content out there. And if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. Let's go, everybody. Yay. Welcome to the party. Today is Friday, February 16th, 2024. Welcome to episode number 559 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and I am super pumped because over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Dale Faye, Carrie, Kenneth Lowy, Cybertron, Semplis, Sebazot, Yakota Strong, Chris Young, uh, Marcus Kyler of the Yeet Crew, all the mods, all those coming in on LinkedIn, like Helene Kelba and Bobby Cox, all those coming in on YouTube, like Thomas Marquette and Robert Wiley. Guys, guess what? We're all going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner to drive cyber risk reduction or how, if you're looking to break into the industry, how you can use this information to absolutely wow interviewers. You will be asked in any job interview, how do you stay current? The Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is a home run, mic drop type answer. Believe that. On top of that, we got the Simply Cyber Community, hashtag Team SC, flowing in here strong. We'll get up to about 450 people at our peak of the show today, live in chat. So say what's up. Ben Wilkins, Alpha Sierra. Uh, Nunu sorry, that, that's a tough one to say, but good to see you, everybody. I am super freaking pumped. It's going to be good. Just as a reminder, I do not prep or research any of these stories. I come into my studio about 7.55. I fire everything up. I hit go live, and we see what happens. It's all about good times. But before I get into the face-melting stories of the day, let me say shout-out and thanks to the stream sponsors, those who allow me to come into the studio and do this face melting activity every single weekday morning, starting with my good friend, Eric Taylor, and the squad over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicating to, <clears throat> excuse me, helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for, um, for a lot of people, but businesses and their dedicated hardworking business owners, sending them into turmoil but guess what? Barricade Cyber Solutions, they know how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. You might even call them the Goldfinger Superman of cybersecurity practitioners. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Sean Burkett with a squad membership. Thank you, Sean Burkett. Nice to have you in the squad. Good morning. Guys, I want to also shout out and spread some love on Panopsi Security. Listen, Panopsi Security... Get a partner who understands your cyber uh, program and, more importantly, your business goals. Guys, 
Cybersecurity is 10% tech, 90% diplomacy, understanding how to interface with the business. Unbelievably valuable. Unbelievably valuable. If you uh, attended BSEC's um, inaugural kickoff jawjacking segment yesterday, you know dang well he was talking about BEC and phishing and how difficult it is to talk to that business. Uh, whether you're trying to get budget, whether you're trying to drive uh, good practice, good cyber hygiene, uh, tabletop exercises to identify gaps in your workflows, Panopsi Security can help you with all of that. They're basically like a cheat code for leveling up your cyber program. Panopsi.com, links in the description below. Tell them, Brand- tell Brandon I sent you. Um, I'll probably be on the phone with him <laughs> at the same time. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon, more about them at the mid-roll. Um, guys, every single episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag Maxime's in the house. Hey, Maxime. Be sure to say what's up in chat, hashtag Team SC if you're looking for something to say. Because we are, look at, I got the shirt on right now. We are one Simply Cyber community. Everybody is included. Everyone is welcome. And guess what? No hard feelings. If this isn't your speed, that's cool. There's a lot of great communities out there in the Simply um, in the cybersecurity community. A lot of us overlap with each other. But uh, find, find a community that resonates with you. But you are more than welcome to be here with us right now. Hashtag Team SC. And if it is your first time in the show, if episode 559 happens to be your first time, Welcome to the party, pal. Let us know with a hashtag first timer in chat. We have a special emote for you. We have a special sound effect for you. And the community loves welcoming newcomers. I love it personally. I know a lot of people in chat love it. So let us know if it's your first episode with hashtag first timer in chat. We got our first first timer. Hey, Avi. Avi coming in hot for the first time. Welcome to the party, pal, Avi. I hope you heard the sound effect over the music. But let's give Avi a little love there. Boom. Welcome to the party, pal. All right, guys. Uh, we got a great show for you, obviously. It is Friday, which is uh, Grayson's Joke of the Week, presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. We've got some Valentine's Day-related jokes, obviously, all about good times. And uh, it's going to be a good one. I can't wait. Uh, we got jawjacking afterwards, so stay tuned for that. And um, yeah, so uh, let's, I guess, you know, we've, uh, we, we've been like, it's like the X Games and we're a skateboarder standing on the vert half pipe and uh, we're about ready to drop in to the half pipe and start just shredding this. So let's get into it. Sit back, relax, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome wave. I am super pumped. I will see all of you at the mid roll. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. These are the Cybersecurity Headlines for Friday, February 16th, 2024. I'm Steve Prentice. Microsoft warns of new Exchange Server Zero Day. This is a critical severity flaw that has already been actively exploited. It carries a CVSS score of 9.8 and is described as a, quote, privilege escalation issue that allows attackers to mount pass the hash attacks, end quote. In an advisory, Microsoft states that attackers could, quote, target an NTLM client such as Outlook with an NTLM credentials leaking type vulnerability, end quote. A link to the advisory as well as the CVE number is available in the show notes to this episode. 
Oh, yeah. Okay, so first of all, Chris Patton with the Super Chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you, Chris Pratt Patton, for the Super Chat. And I uh, genuinely appreciate this. His company set, had a security assessment this week. They came at him, like, you know, bobbing and weaving, and they're like, Chris, how do you stay current on trends and threats? And he's like, simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Boom! And just explosions like a 1980s Arnold movie happened in the background. I love it. I love it. I love it. So cool. Thank you uh, very much. Okay, so check it out. Um, pass me that hash, bro. Jesse Johnson, a.k.a. the Cosmic Cowboy, doing a little um, uh, puff, puff, pass of the hash. Uh, guys, okay, so this is interesting. Um, I'm not throwing shade at anyone, but if you're still running Exchange Server on-prem, what are you doing, bro? Uh, you, do you like, uh, you, like, do you, you also... Um, do base jumping too? Like, what are we doing? Exchange server on-prem has had numerous massive issues, one after another, after another. And, you know, I don't know if this is secretly like a marketing uh, ploy by Microsoft to get everybody into um, Microsoft 365 and take, take advantage of exchange online protection. But if you are one of the legacy people who are holding on to dear life, two hands, white knuckles, holding on to your exchange server on-prem, be aware it is under active exploitation. Chances are, um, it's, you know, they said it's a nine, eight. I will just tell you, I find it peculiar. Usually when active exploitation is, uh, happening, they will increase the CBSS score to 10.0. Um, I suspect it will go to 10.0, honestly. Uh, but this is a elevation of privilege uh, issue, which means um, you do have to have typically a privilege escalation of vulnerability would indicate that you need you already have initial access to the compromised host, right? So you get on the box as a general user and you do privilege escalation to get root or system level access, which reduces the likelihood a little bit because you'd have to get initial infection. That doesn't mean it's not possible. Um, and it also doesn't mean without going deep into this, I don't know if this is going to somehow, um, be, you know, outlook, uh, exchange has like an OWA kind of like an internet facing piece of it. So you can check your email while you're on the road and stuff. So I don't know if that could be exploited, but what they are saying here is the, the way that I'm interpreting this story is that if a threat actor gets on a box with initial access, they will be able to exploit an exchange uh, exchange server on-prem to get Privask, get system creds. And then essentially they said, pass the hash. So, right. Like, so in, in um, I've never performed a pass the hash attack. So, you know, just to disclaim that, but uh, basically what it is, is like when you authenticate to your, your this is authenticating apparently uh, when you authenticate to your windows box and it pushes your creds to active directory to uh, you know v validate your credentials it doesn't send your credentials clear text over the wire what it does is it it computes a hash of your um password and sends that over the wire and then the active directory domain computes the same hash on your password and, and and checks those so if you're able to capture that hash you can pass the hash effectively um you know validating that you are in fact the person who sent it um anyways the point is it allows you to impersonate and trick and get access to resources you're not wanting tldr if you run an exchange server on prem chances are you're pretty good at patching it because it's been a dumpster fire for about two years now uh, definitely patch your stuff and, um, 
you know, active exploitation really means get your butt in gear and get on top of this because threat actors are out there taking advantage of it. Pace of ransomware takedown operations isn't enough, says Anne Neuberger. The White House Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technologies, speaking at the Munich Cybersecurity Conference yesterday, said that despite the success of the FBI takedown of Alf v. Black Cat in December, the pace and frequency of such actions is not enough to, quote, raise the cost for would-be attackers, end quote. She continues, quote, to be more effective, the battle against ransomware actors needs to be more layered than it is now, end quote. The Munich Cybersecurity Conference, which kicked off yesterday, runs through to the 18th. It is considered by some to be the Davos of security. The what? The what? The Davos? What's a Davos? Did anyone get that? I, I didn't I didn't catch that. Uh, like, but, I mean, I hate to be a, a nerd here, but what does he say? Here, I'm going to rewind it 15 the seconds. The battle against ransomware actors needs to be more layered than it is now, end quote. The Munich Cybersecurity Conference, which kicked off yesterday, runs through to the 18th. It is considered by some to be the Davos of security. Okay, I don't know what that word is. The, uh, you know, I, I, I do pride myself on having a pretty uh, deep vocabulary, a rich lexicon of uh, vernacular to tap into. Uh, and I don't know what that word is, Davos. Um, you learn something new every day. Okay, so check it out. This like elite, um, this elite like invite only super cyber conference in Munich. Um, they're talking about ransomware. First of all, I love it. All right, what's Davos? Davos. It's, it's Switzerland. Hold on. What is Davos? More Switzerland. I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm uh missing something here. Um. So, anyways, here's what they're saying: ransomware takedown operations are good, but they're not good enough. And I totally appreciate uh, that she's bringing this up and driving the conversation. Here is the deal: I 100% agree <clears throat> that we are not winning the war on ransomware. We have a couple good battles, right? We kick in the door on Revil, winning. We kick in the door on Black Hat Alfie. Winning. We kick in the door on Hive. Winning. Conti explodes on itself. Winning. But dude, the humans behind it are making fat stacks, and the software is you know copy pasteable, right? So, oh, okay. So you're saying like Davos is the super financial conference. So this is uh, the super cyber conference. Okay, very cool. Uh, very nice. Uh, thank you, everybody. I did not know about that, so I appreciate you. Secret people running the world, Emmanuel Dark. Did we just become best friends? Thank you uh, so much. And uh, probably a hint of truth in that, Emmanuel. So, hey, check it out. Um, I love that they're doing this. These, honestly, I'm not, I'm going to say this, but it, like, I I'm glad they're doing this now. I feel like we're probably like uh, five years too late for this conversation. Like 2017 is when ransomware broke into everything. 2019, we started doing like double extortion techniques. Conti was at its peak with like 100 actual employees. Ransomware as a service started getting buck wild in 2020. Like it's 2024. We have been getting punched in the mouth for years and years. So like, I'm glad we're having the conversation now. I'm always about like, let's keep moving forward, keep improving. Um, I'm just throwing a little bit of shade that we're, you know, a little slow on, on the response here. Um, her idea is that we need to be more layered in our approach, like crimping uh, cryptocurrency because that's what threat actors are charging. Maybe 
some other ideas of you know world leaders and stuff. But guys, there's no question. Ransomware is a blight on society. Also, I might point out that threat actors are getting away from uh, encrypting systems, encrypting data, and just doing straight data exfil. Uh, it just came out the Fulton County, Georgia um, uh, County Municipality Lockbit is claiming um, um, claiming the attack on them and saying that they're going to be um, releasing that data. So, like that's just another example. Although uh fulton county was down for like a week so there definitely was some uh uh impact to their operations probably with encryption anyways my point is 100 percent on this on board with this it needs a global response a global effort and uh hopefully they get something done because it ransomware is tough i mean it keeps us employed but like i'd rather be employed for other reasons gold pickaxe malware steals your face Oh, face melting. This iOS and Android Trojan uses social engineering to, quote, trick victims into scanning their faces and ID documents, which are believed to be used to generate deep fakes for unauthorized banking access, end quote. According to security firm Group IB, the attacks are currently occurring in Thailand and Vietnam and are products of a Chinese threat group known as Gold Factory. In this particular scenario, victims are approached through messages impersonating government authorities or services, prompting them to download fraudulent apps such as a fake digital pension app hosted on websites impersonating Google Play. U.S. puts bounty on... All right, all right. If I wasn't... I'm sure playing uh, Goldfinger uh, to open the show definitely copyrighted everything, but I would absolutely play Kanye's like... Gold Digger <laughs> song. That's what comes to mind right now. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> um, this is an interesting attack. I I'm kind of curious how it steals your face. That's what I want to see really quickly. Uh, yep, you get that. You know, uh, do, 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 do. you steal a dude, a <laughs> digital pension, bro. Come on. Um, how do you, I want to know how you get. Um, how it steals your face. Oh my God. Look at this infographic. Oh my, oh my God. Hold on one second. Um, so pickaxe iOS. Where's the face stealing part? Holy crap. It puts MDM on your phone. This is ridiculous, bro. Okay. Um, this is ridiculous. Like you, you have to be, you have to be, I, I, I am always very fair. I'm very fair, okay? And like, I believe that we are employed. One of one of our charges um, as cyber pros is to not throw shade at end users and be like, how could you be so stupid? You are so dumb. Well, that's not for us to do, okay? We have to understand our end users and enable them to make good cyber hygiene decisions. Now, this one is pretty wild. So what is happening here is that you get a DM from someone who claims to be in the government and they tell you that you are going to get a digital pension. <laughs> so like, you're just going to get money, but you've got to download this app, which is totally sus. And then it's going to, <clears throat> it's going to use what looks like the Apple test flight system, which is basically how you can beta test apps uh, through the Apple store without putting them in production. And then you have the victim download an MDM profile, which is mobile device management, which is what businesses used to control BYOD devices. So I can wipe your phone, 
<clears throat> if you lose it, I can compartmentalize business data. MDM is a security technology to control devices in an, it, that interface with business data and business systems in a controlled way. You have to opt into it. It's like a VPN profile, except like on higher levels of crack. To put one on your phone un unknowingly is outrageous. Like you really have to go through steps. Like you have to go into settings and profile and pop-ups and are you sure? And and it's happening. It's unbelievable. So <clears throat> they said in the story, <clears throat> they said in your story, steal your face. I don't see where that's coming from. I mean, we do use... Um, face uh, ID a lot on iPhones to authenticate into systems. But this is this is essentially a malware persistence mechanism. But in reality, it's not really malware because it's literally using... I mean, it's malware in the sense that it's a fake app and it, it, it does um, C2 and, and beaconing and other stuff. But it's using MDM, which is a security technology. Like, <clears throat> I almost feel like the threat actor... Like, like I, this is terrible, but I almost feel like the threat actors were sitting around like a, a retreat. They're like, Hey, all right, guys, we're all going to go out to, um, we're all going to go out to Arizona. We're going to go out to a, 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 what do they call those yurts? We're going to rent a yurt and we're going to have like a, a, a team building exercise. Okay. All right. Hey, like no bad ideas, no bad ideas, no bad ideas. Let's just throw them out, throw them out. No bad ideas. And someone's like, can we convince them to put MDM on their phone? And they're like, Oh. That's a ter that's a that's a dumb idea. And he's like, I thought you said no bad ideas. And they're like, all right, all right, let's try it. And then this came up, and they're like, oh my god. So, anyways, the TLDR here is <clears throat> educate your end users that government officials will not be DMing them, telling them about digital pensions. Right? That's very specific. But the larger picture is educate your end users that um, government officials and law enforcement will, including IRS, because we're getting close to tax season will not DM you with official business. They will not email you with official business. They will send you mail in the mail, like snail mail, okay? <clears throat> there is no get rich quick, easy button. Do not fall for this. Please educate your end users not to install MDM, <clears throat> which is a whole other thing. Uh, but just Jesus, uh, like it's crazy. It's crazy. This is crazy to me. I can't believe we got here. Hey, Adolphus Johnson, first timer. Welcome to the party, pal. Welcome to the party, pal. Hold on. V Black Cat Associates. The U.S. Department of State yesterday announced reward offers of up to $10 million for information leading to the identification or location of leaders of the group behind the ALF v. Black Cat ransomware variant, as well as rewards of up to $5 million for information leading to the arrest or conviction of those participating in or conspiring or attempting to participate in ransomware attacks using ALF v. Black Cat. This, of course, follows up on the December takedown of the group's operations. The announcement says that, quote, over 1,000 victim entities globally have been compromised by Alf v. Black Cat actors, end quote. All right. Hey, so Brian Dubb says, I thought they announced this bounty a few days ago. I think that was actually for Hive ransomware, if I'm not mistaken, the uh, 10 million plus 5 million um, uh, bounty. I think, I think it was Hive that was that. Yeah. Uh, so this was the other day. So that like 
Dude, I don't know if the U.S. Department of State like contacted J.G. Wentworth and got their money because it's their money now, or if Department of Justice hit a scratchy or like maybe hit seven at Kino at like the you know Lakeville Mass Town Spa or whatever. Like basically, dude, Department of Justice, Department of State is straight up making it rain in here. So um, to Brian Dubbs' um, point. On February 8th, 2024, they announced a massive, massive reward, 10 million from the Department of State and an additional 5 million um, for, you know, uh, I think the FBI or maybe, or, or for something else, uh, for the Hive ransomware group. And now they're announcing, hey, bro, hold my beer. We're going to offer up $10 million for the Alfie Black Cat ransomware variant. So the... Law enforcement. It was a yeah, so law enforcement is using probably uh BSEC brings up a good point. They I don't know if they're using the 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 funds that they're confiscating from threat actors, uh crypto or whatever. I don't know. But Department of State is or excuse me, law enforcement has um straight up dismantled Hive and Alfie Black Cat, which by the way are like tier one ransomware threat actors, massive players in the game. Now, these individuals, you got to remember, like I said it earlier, when you dismantle an infrastructure and an operation, you stop it today. But the, the, the brain trust behind that threat actor operation, the brain trust behind running that criminal enterprise is still at large. And they can go get more infrastructure. They can build it back up. And in six months time, they are back in operations. So the Department of State is like, we need to capture these individuals and we need to do it now. So they're offering these fat sums. So you know, dude, people people boast, people talk, right? If I'm a threat actor and I'm making millions of dollars off ransomware, do you think I'm living in a hut? Like in in like, uh, you know, in like a, a you know, um, like some some like shanty town, or do, or am I living on an island or on a boat, or like do I am I eating caviar? You know what I mean? Like it's like if you're making all the money, like what like why are you doing it? Obviously to get money. So someone's gonna be uh, loose lips, right? Maybe a uh, an ex boyfriend, an ex girlfriend, uh, maybe you know somebody who's emotionally charged because you're you're um you're in like infidelity and cheating on them. Oh, you know what? I'm going to burn this whole sucker down. I'm going to call the department of state and get my money or Hey, two business dealings. Like, Hey, like me and BSEC are running threat hacker, threat hacker, threat actor Academy. And we're running ransomware ops. And I popped a victim and I'm like, BSEC, like I get all the money. Cause I popped in BSEC's like, no, we're 50, 50 on this deal. And I feel jaded dude. Greed. Greed's an ugly, ugly emotion. And people do stupid stuff uh, and will burn down entire things because of greed or because of feeling jilted in revenge. So I'm, I'm sure the department of state is hoping for that personally, personally, this guy, two thumbs, I desperately want somebody to get that $10 million. We just talked a minute ago about this Davos of cybersecurity event uh, out in Munich, Germany. If we're really going to make impactful strides in dismantling real ransomware operations, you need to get the people behind it. You need to get the heads of the snake and put them in jail where they can't access a computer anymore. So way to go, Department of State. Uh, make it rain all up in here. And if you are, if you're one of the Alfie Black Cat uh, threat actors and you happen to be part of the Simply Cyber community, 
you are welcome here. We are a supportive, inclusive community, but I would definitely, um, you know, be listening for footsteps, bro. And now a word from our sponsor, Vanta. From dozens of spreadsheets and screenshots to fragmented tools and manual security reviews, managing the requirements for modern compliance and security programs is increasingly challenging. Vanta is the leading trust management platform that helps you centralize your efforts to establish trust and enable growth across your organization. Over 6,000 companies partner with Vanta to automate compliance, strengthen security posture, streamline security reviews, and reduce third-party risk. To learn more, go to vanta.com slash CISO and watch their three-minute product demo. That is V-A-N-T-A dot com slash CISO. All right. You know what we do now? Zoom. All you first timers, this is what we do every mid roll. So get used to it. It is the Simply Cyber Breakfast Club. Hey, if you're on YouTube right now and you're getting value from the stream, whether it's entertainment value, educational value, networking value, whatever it is, do me a solid. Hit the like button right now. It helps the YouTube algorithm trigger to help other people find the show. It's simple as that. If you found the show today for your first time, it may be because yesterday, the crew hit the like button, right? So it's not a vanity metric. I don't care. I don't I don't go back and look how many likes I got and then measure my self-worth based on that. It's literally a tool in the toolbox in order to grow the community. Simple. I want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber and Panopsi. And also anti-siphon training. Listen, guys, anti-siphon training is disrupting the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of financial position. They offer their students the opportunity to learn skills, practice what is taught, and more importantly, engage with the community in a fun and inclusive way. Go to the link in the description below, antisiphontraining.com. There's so much good value here. I just got a note this morning. If you're available next Friday, February 23rd, I'll do this live on stream right now. Um, I was hoping to be able to uh, get this. Uh, I was hoping to be able to get this, uh, but just give me a second. There is a training I want you to know about. Um, it's hold on, damn it, mods. Can you please can active threat hunting, uh, ACM Black Hills anti site? There is a training next week that's free that I want you to know about. Um, here, is this it? All right. Yes. I think this is it right here. I'll drop a link in chat. Okay. Check it out. Here's a link in chat. This is through active countermeasures, but it's effectively the same thing as anti-siphon training. I just dropped a link in chat. You can absolutely do this next week, Friday, February 23rd from 11 AM to 5 PM Eastern time. You can get a threat hunting training course. Absolutely free from Chris Brenton, who knows exactly what he's doing. There's a little um, video here to kind of tell you what it is. This is a free training. If you attended B-Sex jawjacking yesterday, he said literally his favorite thing in cybersecurity is threat hunting. If you want to experience the thing that B-Sex loves and is, dude, it's really a lot of fun. Come get this free training from Chris Brenton. 
Tell him Simply Cyber sent you. Maybe we could do another raid in that chat. That was awesome with Sock Core Skills the other day. So check it out. All right. Hold on one second. I don't know. The mods are saying something. All right. But seriously, that's what's up. All right. Hey, guys. Simply Cyber Community Challenge really quickly. We've got... Um, if you would like to blow up your professional network, please do the following. Go on LinkedIn. Search for uh, the posts using the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Go find Brian Mulder's post from yesterday. Brian Mulder, M-U-L-D-E-R. Comment on Brian's post. Connect with Brian. Connect with people in Brian's comments. And that will actively blow up your professional network. And then most importantly, everybody afterward that connects with the people in comments will be connecting with you. So passively, you'll be building your professional network. It's a game changer. Brian Mulder, if you could tag somebody in chat, that would be awesome. Brian, please. Um, Brian, please tag someone in chat. Whoever wants the baton, whoever wants to be the one to have the Simply Cyber Community Challenge post today, please volunteer and uh, share your story with us. Uh, use the hashtag and get after it. It's going to be all about good times and a uh, lot of value up there. All right. It is, um, it is, um, excuse me, James McQuiggan's Fridays are the um, Grayson's joke of the week presented by James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet. Uh, we got the jokes right now. Valentine's day themes. Here we go. Uh, why did the melons have to get married in a church? Why did the melons have to get married in a church? Because they can't elope. They they can't elope, LOL. <laughs> also, when you take out your significant other for dinner on Valentine's Day, what kind of meal should you eat? BSEC, if you're taking your wife out for Valentine's Day, what kind of meal should you eat? Everybody knows you should eat a heart E1. A heart E1. <laughs> and finally, this one's great. I love this one. Listen up, everyone. A friend of mine was able to meet Cupid on Valentine's Day and was granted one wish. Very cool. Cupid on Valentine's Day granting one wish. They asked Cupid for a billion dollars. One billion dollars. And Cupid said, get real, man. So I said, okay. I want to eliminate data breaches from ever happening. To which Cupid responded quickly, will you take a cash or check? All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, James McQuiggan, for keeping it going. And uh, Tony Parrish says, what's the deal about James McQuiggan at 35,000 feet? Tony Parrish, James McQuiggan is a longtime Simply Cyber community member. And uh, he's always traveling. So he'll often be t tuning into the show from seat 3a on a delta flight somewhere over the united states so he's usually he's more often at thirty-five thousand feet than he is at sea level all right let's keep going everybody zoom patches critical privilege elevation flaw in windows apps this flaw affects a range of zoom windows based product versions and carries a cvss score of 9.1 Exactly how far did the dude from Flock of Seagulls run? The world needs to know. <laughs> Thanks for the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. That's so funny. Thank you, uh, Juwan Hart. According to Bleeping Computer, the notification sent out by Zoom's own security team, quote, does not specify how it could be exploited or what the repercussions might be, but could involve clicking a link, opening a message attachment, or performing some other action that the attacker could leverage, end quote. 
It is recommended that users update to the latest release of Desktop Client for Windows version 5.17.7. A link to the Bleeping Computer story along with all the CVE numbers and products involved is available in the show notes to this episode. All right. Obviously, uh, first and foremost, ah, you got to patch it. You got to patch it. Uh, what do you call an excavated tomb? Unencrypted. LOL, Rex. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> I love it. We'll give a thumbs up to that one. All right, guys, uh, many of you use Zoom. Um, Zoom Zoom came on the scene like a bat out of hell. Sorry, Kennedy. Uh, Zoom came on the scene hard during the digital transformation that was forced upon society during the uh, pandemic. Uh, so many of us are running Zoom. Um, I have Zoom clients, so I plan on doing this. I don't know if you can um, centrally manage a Zoom desktop client app update, um, but... They said that the patch is out there. They don't know of it being actively exploited, so don't don't sweat on that. I'm launching my Zoom right now, honestly, and uh, just looking, setting, check for updates. Uh, yep. So hey, I just opened Zoom and did check for updates, and now it says update available, and it's pushing it right now to my machine. So unfortunately, it doesn't look like there's an easy way to do this. Uh, on top of that, what really sucks is normally um, I'm going to do later, so I don't accidentally dork my machine up. But uh, normally, before I like it when you launch an app and it's like, you can't use this app unless you update. I know that's wicked, wicked inconvenient, especially if it's like a streaming app or something that I'm trying to use for a show. But at the end of the day, guys, you've got to eat your own dog food, which basically means you can't complain about updates and patches um, if we're telling our end users to update and patch. I would absolutely... Um, so BSEC saying that there are programs that can push out updates to the company. If you can do that, do that for sure. If you can't, at least send an update uh, to your end users about updating Zoom. By the way, pro tip, pro tip, um, if you can't centrally manage this update, pro tip, um, basically uh, send an email with like a couple screenshots. Like here's the Zoom app. Here's where you click on your face to get the dropdown. Here's the check for updates button. And this is the update. Like like make it as easy as possible for your end users in a environment where you can't centrally manage updates, right? Or if you're supporting like your church or, you know, whatever, like not all businesses have central IT, right? A lot of them actually, uh, it's very popular right now to have MSPs kind of do your IT. Uh, I worked in healthcare. I did consulting for a while for small healthcare businesses. Almost all of them, almost all of them have outsourced IT. Basically, IT comes in, sets up their network, sets up their workstations, and then disappears and periodically um, checks in on them and sends them a bill, right? So it, like IT for small businesses is typically like set it and forget it. So do yourself a service if you are an MSP or a side hustle IT person. Like um, Carrie, I know Carrie, for example, is doing computer repair and side hustle and stuff um, with the church and whatnot. Like put together a nice little either 30 second video or a nice, clear, easy email with screenshots and send it to your business stakeholders and say, Hey, listen, I know we all love zoom. Zoom's got a massive issue. Do these three things. It'll take you five seconds. You'll thank me later. Boom. Just do that. You need to make it crystal clear, very easy to do and very easy to consume. If you add a massive word wall, that's not going to work. Okay. All right. All right. So it looks like, um, uh, BSEC is actually recommending this app and I, I like it. Nine night, 
night night. Uh, and you can see it actually allows you to install and update lots of programs all at once. Jesus, I might even look into this for my own computer. Wow, this is cool. This is cool. All right, nice, nice uh, resource drop, uh, BSEC. BSEC always dropping, dropping valuable intel. The FTC promises trouble when privacy policies get changed for AI data mining. In its blog post, the FTC's Division of Privacy and Identity stated that, quote, companies may be tempted to mine their own user base for pre-existing data to feed AI models, despite having the privacy and security policies on the books prohibiting the practice, end quote. It points out that AI companies are particularly in their focus and states, quote, market participants should be on notice that any firm that reneges on its user privacy commitments risks running afoul of the law, end quote. The commission promises to pursue companies that share consumers' data with third parties or that use the data for AI training, but who, quote, only inform consumers of this change through a surreptitious retroactive amendment to its terms of service or privacy policy, end quote. All right. All right. So two things here. One, uh, if you're a longtime uh, Simply Cyber community member, you know that I have a very uh, like almost unhealthy relationship with the phrase data is the new oil. Data is the new gold. I've been saying it since 2015. Apparently, the secret's out. Like, where are my royalty checks? Where I'm going to go to the like after the stream, I'm going to my mailbox and looking for royalty checks. Matthew McConaughey with a big Salesforce ad. Data is the new gold. FTC data is the new oil. Yes, no kidding. I don't know where you guys been. Look at the wealthiest people in the world. They broker in data. That's what's up, <laughs> right? That's why all of our apps are free because we're paying with data. All right. Allow me to uh, digress for a hot minute. I'm sorry. Now, the FTC, I love it. I love it. They are basically champions for us, right? They're consumer champions. They help protect us from big, faceless conglomerates that are all about straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. So, it is, I don't want to call it nefarious, but it is so money-grubbing for businesses to quietly change their privacy policy to basically mine user data. So imagine this. I, I know this is going deep down the well and a lot of people just click through the privacy EULAs and stuff. But dude, here's the thing. If you collected my data and we're like, well, we won't use your data. We won't sell your data. We're only going to use your data for whatever. And I give you my data. You have a copy of it. You have years of copy of data, right? Now you're going to turn around and be like, uh, effective immediately and retroactively applied, we're going to use your data for AI and uh, data mining and sell the crap out of your data. That's not cool, man. And then to do it quietly, like the fact that they are doing it quietly indicates ill intent. Like the businesses that are doing it quietly are doing it because they know there'll be an uproar if they do it, you know, uh, transparently, right? So they're doing it quietly to avoid those awkward conversations and that awkward publicity. But again, I'll tell you what, man, way to go FTC, because companies will do whatever is required of them. And that's about it, right? Like there was a story yesterday about um, businesses having to 
I forget exactly what the story was, but like basically if a business doesn't need to transparently announce that they're going to be changing their data policies and screwing you over, then they're not going to. This is capitalism 101. The business is for profit. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, right? Emmanuel Dark knows what's up. So it's it's cream. So if 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 I have a choice between telling you or not telling you, and I'm not required to do it, and one of them is absolutely uh, introduces risk of losing money, and the other one has very low risk of losing money. In fact, it actually has a high chance of making more money. Which one do you think a capitalism for-profit business decision would make? It's straight logic, man. Like remove emotion, remove morals, remove everything. If you play it as a game, like just apply game theory here, you are going to choose the outcome that has the best results for you. And for you is not the same as for the consumer or the citizen or the person, right? It's all about squeezing as much juice out of that um, lemon or orange as you can possibly get. So yes, thank you, FTC, for being the people's advocate, right? Dropping a people's elbow on businesses that are doing shady stuff. Aircraft engine leasing company acknowledges a cyber attack. Reporting to the Securities and Exchange Commission, the company Willis Lease Finance Corporation, which leases jet engines to commercial airlines, stated that a cybersecurity incident took its systems offline on January 31st. Willis has not stated which group was responsible, but the Black Basta ransomware group has already claimed that it stole 910 gigabytes of company data related to the aviation company's customers, staff, and HR department, amongst other data types, and posted samples of these documents on its leak site. Wow, there you go. So I'm always amazed at like businesses that I didn't know about. Aircraft engine leasing company? <laughs> Okay. I guess there's a, I guess, you know, like I enjoy saying I've got a video for that. Apparently there's a business for this one. Like they like saying that too. Um, so, I mean, this is Black Basta often kind of gets wrapped around with um, Black Cat, Alfie, which was dismantled. I think if I'm not mistaken, Black Basta does have um, brain trust from the dark side, Black Matter ransomware gang. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I'm, fairly certain that um you know th there's basically human operators that run black basta that were affiliated with um uh black matter dark dark side then it became black matter um so if they they're top tier tier one uh very financially motivated crime of opportunity uh black basta is the one that hit um black basta is the one that hit uh hyundai um hyundai europe I think they hit last week. I've seen Black Basta hit small, you know, small businesses like 50 employee businesses in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. So Black Basta doesn't care. They just want to, does the Black Basta just wants to cash the check? Cash, right. So they'll hit anyone and everyone. Um, and they're very good at it. So if they say that they got all this information, they've got it. Um, you could see here that. They said they're investigating it, but like, what's there to investigate? The ransomware threat actors come out and and share their data. Um, you could see here; it looks like they've released it on their uh, leak site. Oh wait, no, that's not right. Most of these ransomware threat actors have a uh, you know public facing uh, leak site that you can access, you know, basically to see what's going on. Um, 
Yeah. Okay. I was hoping for the leak site, but you can just see like basically Black Basta is all up in your face right now. Um, Black Basta, like to <laughs> to pull a reference that many of you probably won't remember, but uh, you, great gray hairs will. Um, like Black Basta is getting as much like pub as like Dan and Dan. Do you remember the 1992 Olympics where the decathlon, the two Americans, Dan and Dan, like we were getting shoved that information uh, like unrelentlessly. Uh, but Black Boss is like all up in the news. Like they're hitting things left and right. Uh, and it's because they're a wildly successful ransomware threat actor. Standard operating procedure applies here for dealing with ransomware, whether it's Black Basta or whether it is um, uh, Klopp, Medusa, Royal, Vice. It doesn't matter who it is. Standard best practices, defense in depth, End user awareness training, multi-factor authentication, tuning your EDR, looking at indicators of compromise to make sure that you're kind of like staying abreast of these things. Firewall rules, um, you know, like if you can get them dynamically updated to known malware infrastructure, immutable backups, tabletop exercises, right? Like it's just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. I could probably make a scroll across the bottom that says best practices for ransomware, okay? Oh my God, Marcus Kyler, you're so you're so right. Dan and Dan was like, it was so stupid. It it, it was like Bodie Miller again. I hate I, whatever, the, whatever. I will say, um, I'll, I'll save it for jawjacking. Uh, American Olympians being promoted in the public media to get the hype engine going and then not delivering on it. I will say, I think it's Dominique Dawes. Is it Dominique Dawes, the gymnast? Um, she's legit, dude. You want to talk about a uh an American powerhouse. Holy Jesus. I think it's Dominique Dawes, but uh, anyways, let's keep going. 23andMe blames users for data breach. In the ongoing saga of last October's data breach that affected nearly 7 million people and which has spawned a class action lawsuit on behalf of certain members of specific genetic heritage groups, the company now states that its members are actually to blame. According to The Guardian, 23andMe sent a letter to the customers who were taking legal action stating, quote, the information that was potentially accessed cannot be used for any harm, end quote, and then placed the blame on the users themselves who, quote, negligently recycled and failed to update their passwords, end quote. Experts such as Barbara Prensak, who is a professor of comparative policy at the University of Vienna and a 23andMe customer, described the company as having had a long time to establish data breach protocols, continuing, quote, this is almost a textbook case of how things should not be done. She added that blaming consumers for their own relatively minor security lapses is morally and politically very dumb, end quote. It should also be noted that 23andMe, which New York Magazine writer Lisa Miller calls the Google of spit, now requires two-factor authentication for all users. All right, so a couple of things really quickly. It was Dan and Dave, not Dan and Dan, whatever. Um, it, it was a huge letdown, okay, the period. Secondly, okay, so 23andMe, bro, <laughs> um, do me a favor. Um, bookmark this article. And then if you are involved in a data breach, um, this is the how not to handle it uh, playbook, okay? What are you doing, 23andMe? Like, okay, here's the deal. 23andMe got breached, uh, kind of. Um, essentially what happened was a threat actor did a brute force password stuffing attack. 23andMe is happening. And again, Emmanuel Dark. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Yep. 
So this is this is still the same attack as far as I know. Okay, this is still the same attack. Credential stuffing attack happened. So 23andMe was a completely secure platform. Users log in with a username and password. Users had reused passwords or had crappy passwords. And threat actors were able to use brute forcing attack techniques to log in to, I guess, millions of accounts and then exfil the data. That's what happened, okay? It's no different than uh, having a crappy password and someone logging into your Google Drive and downloading all the content in your Google Drive. And then Google saying, you know, like Google is secure. You allowed them access because your crappy password. Now, these are the things. One, did these users have terrible passwords? Yes. Two, did these users have multi-factor authentication enabled? No. Three, did these users reuse passwords? Meaning that they have the same password for their LinkedIn, their Twitter, their 23andMe? Yes. Now, here is the deal. You cannot tell your users they are dumb, okay? You are so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. I don't care if they are making unbelievably silly mistakes. I've had an IT administrator click on what is un like unbelievably obviously um malware and install an attempt to install it and the EDR caught it and intervened. I you know what I mean like you cannot tell a person they're stupid. You can't. Like this right here breeds contempt for cybersecurity. I'm always talking about political capital and you know enabling the business and bringing Krispy Kreme donuts to the IT people and going to you know the like the engineering team's weekly meeting and just spending the first 5 minutes with them and and coming on to their terms be like carry the olive branch. This right here is basically walking around with like a stick and just like slapping people in the back of the head and being like you're stupid move. Like this is like Rob Schneider from SNL as the IT guy, which is a pretty deep cut if you don't know what I'm talking about. But like when you come in and like, you're stupid, I'm smart, you're an idiot, you shouldn't even have access to a computer, like move. You are not doing anybody a service. This is such a terrible look for 23andMe. If I was a customer of 23andMe, I would double middle fingers to the sky and be like, I'm out, delete my data, delete my account, Suck an egg. You suck. Okay. This is such a bad, bad look. Don't ever do this. We need to bring end users into the fold. We need to educate end users on why password managers are so great, on why they shouldn't reuse passwords. We need to, that's what information security awareness is. It is helping modify behavior in a way where the customer or the end user opts into it willingly. You cannot bring them to a bucket of water and then jam their head under the water until they either die from drowning or they start drinking the water. You can't do that. You need to bring them to the water and say, hey, this water is great for your skin. It'll help keep your uh, your body going. It'll It's great for you. Like all, all you have to do is drink a little bit every day. Very straightforward, very simple. I'll make sure the water stays filled up. Like you need to make them want to do it. This is terrible. Again, furthermore, if I may, if I may, furthermore, 23andMe, how about, here's a dumb move. 
not enabling and requiring multi-factor authentication if we want to start pointing fingers. Bro, if you require multi-factor authentication, this entire attack does not succeed. So don't come at me with my end users, my customers are idiots, which again is terrible. How about you implement MFA like everybody else should be doing? Why don't you join 2024 as basic cyber hygiene for cloud-based systems and, and enable MFA? I don't care if it's SMS. Okay, we can do SIM swapping. Fine. Make the threat actor leap over that additional hurdle. I guarantee you, you're not going to get 7 million SIM swaps, bro. Come at me with that. Dumb. This is such a bad look, man. Like, don't do this. We're out here all day, every day trying to, you know, carry the flag and make cybersecurity socially acceptable and drive adoption of some of the controls that frankly introduce friction to end user workflows. And you're going to do this? Dude. Ugh. Well, congratulations. You have made it to the end of the week. Congratulations. We did it. All right, everybody, coming in hot, hot, hot. All right, if you were here just for the news, we're a couple minutes early. We're a couple minutes early. It is Friday, which is awesome, because that means I'll be doing some hot jaw jacking. Let me get my glasses on or get going. If you were here just for the news, thank you all so very much. Have a wonderful weekend. You absolutely deserved it. Shout out and love if you're working on the weekend, if you're a SOC analyst. Uh, I hope to God that it's a quiet weekend for you and you're not getting any alerts if you're on call. I hope it's a quiet, quiet weekend. Warren Cameron is a first-timer. Love it. Welcome to the party, pal, Warren Cameron. Love it, love it, love it. Okay. We're going to do jaw jacking now, so if you have to go, peace out. Have a good one. But if you're ready to stay and have some good times, let's do it. I'm Jerry. This is Simply Cyber, episode 559 on Friday, February 16th. Be well, everybody. And until next time, stay secure. All right, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to Jaw Jack, and I am your host, uh, Jerry Guy, coming hot off the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. 23andMe making stupid moves, no surprise. I appreciate you, Jess Bishop. The community is beautiful. And Jess Bishop, you are an unbelievable, unbelievable professional person, community member, and I am so, so happy to have spent time with you, getting to know you better in real life at Wild West Hack and Fest. Everybody, Jess Bishop. Can we just become best friends? Yep. Guys, I'm super pumped. It's Friday. Got an early release day with the kiddos. Family's doing some stuff. So that'll be exciting. I am going to say that uh, this today's episode of Jawjacking is presented by Simply Cyber Academy's new Cyber 101 course. I'll run a mid-roll ad a little bit later on. I'm just, I'm just kind of flexing a little bit uh, to see if running a little ad is a good thing. I've had, I've had some interest 
come out to me about sponsoring jaw jacking, which, you know, was never the intent of like when I started doing jaw jacking, but it is what it is. So let's go. Um, no new show support posts, new show support posts. Chris Whitlock, what do you mean? I don't, I guess I don't understand. Let me know. Oh my God. Hey, can I share something with you all while the questions roll in? If you guys got any questions, uh, drop them in chat. I'm happy to answer. Uh, that's what we're doing here. Dude, the midnight, my favorite band, like the, I love the midnight so much that it's like my first, second, third, fourth, and fifth favorite band. Dylon, 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 Dylon. Listen, I love the freaking midnight. And, uh, they just announced a VIP 10 year anniversary tour. They're definitely going to be playing their entire collection on tour. They're coming near me. Oh, I was so amped. I was ready to buy four, four, like sit on the stage tickets, um, for me and the family. Cause the kids love it. Nadine loves it. I love it. And, um, I, I had to punt though, because unfortunately it makes sense. It's standing room only. Uh, even if I'm standing at the front, um, I know my kids, if you have kids, you know, <laughs> my kids are going to want to use the bathroom like three or four times. And I, I'm just imagining the sea of humanity trying to get back up to the front uh, with two children would be nah. So unfortunately passing, but um, CJ says his wife's company just released MFA and they're all upset about it. She got mad when I replied that it was about time. Yeah, the adoption and the integration of MFA is always a tough, a tough um, a, a adjustment. But I got to tell you guys, like basically rip the Band-Aid off. Nor let's normalize MFA. It's all, all it is. Normalize MFA. No problem, Chris Young. It's my, my pleasure, man. Rex coming in hot with a super chat. The last story should make 23andMe customers spitting mad. 100%. Yep. Thank you so much. George Strasberger with a question. Any plans to cover Nest 800 Rev 3 with your thoughts? I can certainly do that, um, George. I'm actually planning on doing a CMMC lecture for the GRC Analyst Masterclass, which would which would involve 800-171 Rev 3. Um, if 800-171 is 800-171 Rev 3 final, have they published it? Because uh, usually there's like a comment period and then an adjudication of comment period. I'm certainly willing to do that. Uh, I, I have to read it once it's final. The thing is with um, 800-171, it applies to businesses doing business with the government and it's supposed to be like a minimum security standard. Uh, I would imagine that Rev3 introduced more supply chain stuff and more governance stuff. Governance is so hot right now. That Hansel's so hot right now. I'm telling you, I've been on a mission to make GRC socially acceptable for like five years now. And I think, I think we're penetrating the market, y'all. Oh my God. Uh, Jesse, I wish those seats, dude, I'm telling you, like, not that I have tons of money, but like, I would have spent as much money as I possibly could have to have like the perfect situation for that midnight concert. But no, I called the venue and I was like, here's my situation. What, what do you guys think? We'll see there. There's still hope. There's a venue in Atlanta that's doing it. That has like a balcony. And, uh, I asked if I could, like, I, I said, like, I didn't say like money's no object, but I said like, I'd be willing to pay for concessions if, if me and my family can be on that balcony. So we'll see. 
All right. So NIST 800-171 Rev3 still in public draft. Yeah. So I'll wait until it's final. Honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to put in the energy effort to make a video and then have some major modification come out. Comments close on July 14th. Oh, comments close July 14th, 2023. So I don't know what they're waiting on. Usually adjudication of comments only takes like three to four months. Eddie27 says, hi, Jerry, love your show. I passed Net Plus. Do you think that's enough networking knowledge to get into a SOC analyst shop? Well, first of all, congratulations, Eddie27, on your completion. Uh, secondly, enough networking to get a SOC analyst job. So I would say yes, but let's caveat that. Because you have the knowledge of Networking Plus, that's not... And, and I say this with all respect, okay? That's not enough to, to like differentiate yourself in a SOC analyst interview. You absolutely need to, you know, increase the resume, if you will, right? Do Eric Kep, you want to be a SOC analyst. Uh, so you want to be a SOC analyst lab, get some SIM experience, like play with some tools, get some hands-on experience, um, have a little portfolio or something like that. What I would say is, having the knowledge that you got from networking plus will enable you to do the things I just told you to better differentiate yourself as a SOC analyst, being able to look at PCAPs or being able to look at, um, logs in a SIM and kind of trace where the, um, where, you know, basically the traffic's coming from and stuff like that. But, but on its, on itself alone, a networking plus is not enough to, to basically get a SOC analyst job. All right, so 1-800, 800-171 is in final public draft. So probably fine. I'll have to check it out, okay? Um, I do have some time this weekend. I, I heart NIST. There's a reason there's an I heart NIST emote. I do, I do heart NIST, so like, this is going to sound unbelievably nerdy, but reading NIST documentations, actually, I enjoy it. I think they do a great job. So, uh, I actually had a job interview with NIST a couple years ago. I had a job interview with NIST with the committee that is responsible for the 837. Um, but I, I, um, I insulted <laughs> I insulted them, and I, I think that that ultimately led to me not getting the job, which is okay. I'm very happy with how my life has turned out. Uh, although the program manager over the whole thing was very interested in my feedback, uh, but the lead author was not. Um, Eddie 27, hey, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Chelsea Ray Waterhouse says, what do we think will be the next security measure that will replace passwords after quantum computing and AI come into play? All right, so uh, we're getting away from passwords, getting into like pass keys, hardware, um, conditional-based access, Chelsea Ray. So like very nuanced ways of uh, authenticating individuals and access to resources. Um, quantum computing, I'm still getting, I'm still um, very, very uh, nascent with, with knowledge around quantum computing. I've been reading uh, Michio Kaku's supercomputing book to, to like learn more about quantum computing. But dude, I thought quantum computing was basically just like trinary instead of binary, right? So zero one is binary classic computer architecture. Quantum computing is zero one or zero and one. And I was like, oh, so basically instead of 
um, powers of two, it's powers of three. That's it. No, no, no. Quantum computing is like an entire different ball of wax. Like quantum computing, you can have um, like every state existing at the same time, which is just like a popsicle headache for me to even wrap my head around. So honestly, Chelsea Ray, I'm not quite sure how quantum computing and AI are going to impact these things, but we are moving towards passwordless authentication. Um, Microsoft has already been doing this for quite some time. Let me bring it up on stream here. Watch this. Microsoft password less authentication. Right. Let me see if I can find a news clipping of this. Like there's been Yeah, right here. This is from 2021, September 2021. 